Welcome film industry professionals, film buffs, and aspiring filmmakers. This is the Cinema Pathway Podcast presented by Paradoxical Films. And I'm your host, Michael Angelo Malachi. Guys, join us on a journey behind the camera and most importantly, beyond what we know about cinema and the craft of filmmaking. So sit down, grab your popcorn, drink your soda, and let's ride the cinema road together with Cinema Pathway. Welcome to all listeners across the world to your new film family, Cinema Pathway Podcast with your host, Michael Angelo Malachi. This podcast is for film buffs, film lovers, film critics, people who make films, people who watch films, and people who just like to talk film. You found your new family. Now, working with legendary companies like Marvel, ABC, Nickelodeon, MTV, and Bravo, I would call Sophie London more than just a triple threat in the industry. She's the modern-day Renaissance woman. Now, Renaissance means revival, a rebirth, of many different kinds of art. And this Sophie has done excellently. She's a producer, production manager, script supervisor, director, actor, and singer. She is the Latina Disney princess songbird with the talent and tenacity to reign as queen of whatever she puts her mind to. It is an honor and a privilege to have this diverse, talented, and experienced Sophie London. Welcome to the studio, Sophie. Thank you for having me. Ah, Thank you so much. Ah, Thank you for coming. Can I ask you, could you just follow me around Yeah. say those things? Yeah, I can be your new manager. You want to do that? (laughs) That would be great. I can be your cheerleader. You like the intro? That was good? That was great. (laughs) Now, while being blessed with so many talents, how did you know what career path to take first? I think I just sort of fell into it. Oh, okay. How did you fall into it? I I sort of have just gone where the universe is taking me. And sometimes I think I've absolutely not done what I've wanted to do or gotten to where I want to get to or even have had the way you put it sounds amazing. Oh, okay. Well, thank you. (laughs) But I think of it myself and I'm like, I haven't done that much. You have. I mean, did you did you hear the list I just told you? right? Yeah, I know. When you put it like that, I'm like, okay, well, that sounds that doesn't sound bad. But I'm like, I just haven't done that much. Now I'm gonna do my uh, therapist talk. You really for the therapist talk? Oh, let's go At for it. At age like four, every... when most toddlers are just mastering how to use the potty, your first fall was when you appeared in the episode, The Rompa Room. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, uh, I I was with my mom in New York. Yeah. And I really liked the show. And she was like, let's go. So I, I was somehow on the show what was your what was on your mind back then i don't know dude i was four (laughs) i was like look at the lights and the thing i probably mostly wanted to just be there but i think i I think one of my earliest memories was the lights and the cameras the studio all of that the reason why i ask is because like i think a lot of people when they grow up they have this fear because they're supposed to be this great thing. Mm-hmm. And children have like this fearlessness. Yeah. Right? They just do. We develop it. We develop that fear. Would you like, would you develop that, that fearlessness as a child? Or were you like instilled from your parents from the get-go? Hey, you can do this. These are just people. Go. I, I don't know. No, I think I totally developed that fear from other people, not my parents. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. What kind of just, fear did you develop? Just from like, just from like society, stage fright. I'm totally... I totally have stage fright. You have I'm stage not fright? good at auditioning. Are you serious? I'm not. Even with all those things I just mentioned, you don't. I'm not good at auditioning. Like I can go and, and tank and audition like nobody's business, and then go on stage and perform <laughs> it like it was fine. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. Yep. See, stage fright is something I really want to talk about because everyone's given a talent, right? Mm-hmm. And there's always directors and producers to say you have to be a certain way or you don't get the role, mm-hmm. or you get the role and you've done amazing until that final night where you have to present in front of people for the first time or in a film and all of a sudden when you get action all of a sudden there's like a different person on screen how do you combat that stage fright versus being the actor that you were meant to be on screen so i haven't had i'll be honest i haven't had that much experience acting on screen yeah uh, I've done a few things, but I've never felt that stage fright really in front of a camera the way I have on stage and the way I have on stage specifically with musicals. Ooh, what kind of musicals have you done? Uh, if I went, the, my first musical was Grease. Oh, yeah. come on now. And yeah. I really, really wanted to 
play Rizzo because I wanted to be like sassy and all of that. And they were like, no, you're a soprano. You're going to be Sandy. Oh, so you played Sandy? What was yes. that like? It was horrible. Really? What, what was, happened? I was like 11 years old. I was one of the understudies and I didn't get to rehearse that much. And one day, like our lead just didn't show up. So they just threw me on stage and I got through most of it. And then I forgot my lines and Danny was just looking at me and I was like, just couldn't. No words were coming out of my mouth. Now, see, this is a lesson that we have to teach people. People always think, all right, this one actor has the role and they're going to be in the film. People forget people get sick. Mm-hmm. Things happen. Yeah. There's an accident. They get poisoned by your competition. <clears throat> That's a different story. Okay. But you know, we don't do that, right? <laughs> you don't do that. No. <laughs> or wish for it, right? Not nice. Let's be honest. This is the cutthroat industry it that is. we're in. It is. But, but we need to change that. We do. And you know, one of the things we have to change is that I know there's like a recurring epidemic of child stars, right? Mm-hmm. When they grow up, they essentially ruin their lives. Yeah. With drug addiction, psychiatric hospitalizations, right? And decimated fortunes. I mean, I know that you were the producer of one of the shows on Nickelodeon. How has this affected your work? And have you seen this first first front? I, I think we were fortunate enough to have actors that their parents were very supportive, but not to like, they weren't show parents to the point where they were pushing their kids and pushing, pushing, pushing. Like the, I was, I was fortunate enough to have the parents of our Nickelodeon kids always advocate for them and say, no, you know, she needs to, she needs to have homework time. And that was something we very much had on our sets was they had to go to school. Like that was, that was a top priority and they had to make time to go to school, but it's a lot of stress to be a child actor. You have to go to school for three hours a day in a trailer with a teacher. You have to memorize your lines. You have to go through hair and makeup, you go do your scenes, and then you have to go back to school. Because people think just because you're a star on screen, right, that your life is perfect, everything's done for you. Oh, it's easy. I can do it. But people forget that sometimes you could be on set for 15, 20 hours and then you have your life. So, like, how did you avoid such pitfalls? Because obviously you were a star at age four. (laughs) No, seriously, that could have honestly happened to you. How did you avoid that? How did your parents build you to have a better future? I think my mom was just, she didn't let me be a child actor. She just was like, you're going to go to school and do whatever you like and find your own way. And if that's what you want to do, great. But she was never the mom that was like, well, now she's been on TV. So now that's all she's going to do. Also, wait a minute. So she saw your experience on that episode and she was like, no, I'm not going to have this happen to my child, right? No, but it was, it, I think, and I can't really speak to that experience because I remember next to none of it, but... You blacked it out. Probably, yeah. <laughs> yep, that's that's a good tool. <laughs> Just black out on stage and everything else comes back later you know you know but part of life i think it was just for her it wasn't even an idea of like my child is going to be a child actor like it was just a we're gonna go we do this episode of the show that she liked like we were there and then and then you were done Mm -hmm. now see this is something that i want to alert to all parents all right who are money hungry Let's be honest. I don't I don't want to get dark, but it's the truth, right? This is an epidemic that's really happening. There's stage moms, stage fathers, people who push their children because they're basically living vicariously through their child. Remember, just because your child has a talent, this is a person first. Do not ruin their futures by putting so much pressure that even an adult couldn't withstand. So this is for all the parents on all those beautiful shows like Disney, Nickelodeon, because, I mean, I don't have to mention the names, right? We've seen a lot of the child's titles, how they've grown up. Some of them grow up these wonderful, amazing people, and they have these transitions into into Hollywood, and they have these exorbitant, wonderful careers. And then we have the downside. Yeah. We have the, they died at age this. They're in and out of drug facilities. They're on this. And then they're the poster boy for that. You do not want your child to end up that way. Also, parents, do not compare your child's talent to anyone else because those kind of things are what can cause being scared on stage because they think, you know what? I don't measure up. Yeah. And your child's going to learn that on their own. <laughs> like the world beats up your home. child enough. Don't beat them up more, right? They will go to drama class or this or that and learn learn that they're being judged and competing with other people. How do you speak on this? I mean, as a producer, have you seen this in audition situations? I would speak of it to it as an actor, yeah. not a producer. 
Yeah. And but even as as someone who's done casting, it's like being on the other side of the table. Yeah. I don't want to judge the person. I don't know anything about that person. I just know what they're showing me. Yeah. And that's something that I try to keep in mind if I go to an audition like for a musical or something is that they're, they have nothing against me. There's there's nothing personal. It's just they need they're looking for what they're looking for. And that doesn't make you less pretty or less talented or less anything. They're just looking for what they're looking for. And you're going to fit some things. You're not, not going to fit other things. But again, that doesn't make you any less talented. Thank you. Or beautiful. Say it again, please. What is it? What does it say? Say it again, please. What? It doesn't make you any less talented. Thank you. Because that's the common like thing. The thing that people take from, from these yeah. auditions. I'm not good enough. And then that's where all the, the mm-hmm. sins start creeping in. And they're like, you know what? Yeah. I'm not able to do this because I had this one bad audition. And I wish someone had told me when I was little, you're going to hear... 90% of no. Talk Ni- about that, 90% please. is going to be no. And then the other 10% is going to be like good stuff. I love that we're on this stuff. subject. I love it. All right. As an actor myself, right? <laughs> people always think, all right, if you're not nailing or getting maybe mm-hmm. nine out of the 10 stuff, oh, you're a failed actor. You don't know what you're doing. But the reality is, right? Mm-hmm. Let's just say you go to an audition situation. There's 20 people for two roles. Uh, that's already like 10%. That's all the chances you have. So you could be the best thing since sliced bread. You're not getting the role if you're not exactly what they're looking mm-hmm. for. It yeah. could be something as simple as you don't look like the right part. Mm-hmm. You're too tall. You're too short. You're too this. You're too that. That's right. And it doesn't mean that you're supposed to change who you are. That's right. You just weren't the right fit for the moment. Like, since I know you've been like a casting director in certain things, or at least I've, helped I've choose. done casting. Yeah, I've done casting, and I've not been a casting director. How can you speak to thing. that? <laughs> How can you speak to that when you've seen people audition versus yourself auditioning? I think it really just kind of it it turns the tables. And I try to remember how uncomfortable I feel when I'm on that other side and work with anybody that's auditioning Mm. and it's hard because sometimes you have time constraints and people have to come in and out and usually you've like a one i I can speak more to theater on this subject than film even though i've done both but they're both in the same but you know directing for theater and having to watch people audition in front of you and thinking who's gonna fit this role i try to just sort of watch everybody and then think about it later but you have to sort of have an idea of what your character is and your vision and what story you're telling in anything because we can be doing Greece, right? But it's going to be, if you're the director, it's your version of Greece. It's not anybody else's version of Greece. So what do those characters look like, sound like to you? And who from the audition pool that you got can embody that? See, people don't realize, I think, this is just my opinion, my humble opinion, theater and film are one and the same. The difference is you're on a live stage and the other one is you're being filmed. There's a camera there, right? I think we're all in the same industry, the same like entertainment family. We are. But we do like to put that division of like theater and film. And I'm a theater actor, which makes me somehow better trained for something than a film actor. And I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot of benefit to learning how to act on stage to get to to be a better film actor. Yeah. What are the benefits? I think as a as a theater actor, you have to know all of your stuff. You're not going to cut. There's no cut. There's no like, we're going to go back. I said that wrong. I sang a wrong note. Mm. And that's that's something that to me was, I can't, oh my God, I can't sing a wrong note. So you learn to think on your feet. That's I think it. that's one of the you magic about- problem solving. Like you have to think on your feet and move forward. And having, having, I think having a horrible experience like that where you just can't, Speak, continue speaking because you forgot your lines probably helped me think on my feet in terms of how does this not happen again? Yeah. And people make fun of improv all the time. I do improv a lot. But it's so essential. But it's an I think it's an essential tool yes. as an actor or just in life. I think improv can get you through life, period. It helps you to think on your feet. It helps you to listen to other people and listen to the people that you're talking to. It helps you to be present in the moment and listen to the people that are just not not just the person in front of you, but everybody in the room. Yeah. It helps you interact with your audience, with your scene partner, and it teaches you how to not just be 
you, the actor, but you're in a scene and people are with you. So how do you give and receive to your fellow actors? Oh, thank you. Someone finally said, I feel like like you spoke for all actors. Guys, as an actor or person or talent, don't just look at your part. It's a story, guys. So the next time you're in an audition, you're like, why didn't I get my <laughs> Well, maybe. Did you actually look at the other person's lines for a moment and not just focus on, I'm the actor. It's my ego. Do I look That's pretty right. today? That's not going to get you the role, guys. You have to learn the whole show. Thank you. If you know the whole show, you know where you're going because you never know when somebody who does not have as enough experience as you is going to forget their lines or not remember to hit their mark or something. And it's easier if you're just thinking on your feet and you have that improv skill and you pick up the slack. If you know the story yeah. and people forget their lines, it's fine. I, I did a play once and it was it was many one act plays. So one of our one act plays, uh-huh. we all like just didn't remember most of our lines. So when one person forgot their line. But so we it was knew like a domino effect. It was. And it, but it was a round table kind of thing where we were sitting at a cafe yeah. and just looking at people. So we just started improving and we improved the whole show. And that particular scene, I think, was a different scene every night. But we kept we kept the story. The story was the same. The characters were the same. But man, that must have like stopped your heart for a minute. <laughs> Did you imagine this person loses their line? But the good, I guess, the beauty about film is that you can call you. cut. But did you know that most films, at least that I've mm-hmm. seen documentaries, the stuff that they keep are the stuff that's improv because it's the most natural. And as long as you know the story and the Mm -hmm. arc, you know your character so well that you can breathe. Know your character so well that you're you're tired of hearing your own name. Yeah. Right? Yep. Learn your lines so well that you're like, you're just singing them in the shower. Absolutely. (laughs) Right? Absolutely. Yes. But I'm interested. But also learn your lines enough that you can forget that there are lines and you can just act and just be. All because you're a real human being. Yeah. When you're doing this, right? Because you're interpreting a real human being or a real fox (laughs) or a real cat or a real princess or whatever. In that moment, that moment, you've created a real person, a real character. Now, let's uh, suspend belief for a moment. All right. We're going to be back with Miss Sophie London. And you know what we're going to talk about? The one issue that most people don't like talking about women in the industry and how they're mistreated. Okay. I know you have a lot to say about that. And this is say I probably will agree before you even start. So I I get it. But please, with that, stay tuned when we talk about Sophie's soaring career highs (laughs) and challenges you face in the industry. And as always, if you've enjoyed or just want to express anything you feel about the podcast, remember to subscribe to the Cinema Pathway podcast on your favorite podcast platform and visit our online store at paradoxicalfilms.com slash store to get all of your Cinema Pathway gear. Are you going to follow us? Yes. I mean, you're on the podcast. You got to follow us. Like and subscribe and all of the things. Yes. Like, subscribe and follow us on Instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for all the behind scenes photos and more. Now, before we go, Sophie, I need you to do one simple acting exercise. I want you to purr like a kitten. Are you ready? Ready? One, two, three. Meow. (laughs) You said purr, not meow. Ah, that's my interpretation. That's my interpretation. (laughs) Yeah, see, that's the director coming out. (laughs) Welcome to Tell Your Story. It is a masterclass hands-on workshop that is presented by Cine Video Tech and brought to you by Paradoxical Films. You will learn how to work with actual film, 16mm, super 16mm, 35mm, and film cameras. In addition, how to load them and change magazines. Furthermore, the workshop will prepare you on how and what it takes to work on set as a first or second assistant camera, the fundamentals of lighting, and the pathway to become a director of photography. For information about the classes and updates, join us next year. Everything will be posted on our website at www.paradoxicalfilms.com slash tell your story. We are back with a multi-talented producer, script supervisor, singer, and actress, Miss Sophie London. Now, 
you remind me a lot of the multi-talented Barbara Streisand.、Uh, you know who she is, right? No. <laughs> well, unless you're living under a rock, you probably don't know who she is, right? Yes, of course. Emmy Award winner, Oscar Award winner, Tony Award winner. She's、EGOT. done a couple things. She's done a couple things here、yeah. and there. Here and there, you know. I mean, I appreciate being mentioned with her in the same sentence. Honestly, I think that the way you're going, your trajectory, I think you could be in the same vein. Honestly,、That's、if、amazing. you believe in、Thank、yourself. You. But like you, she's a producer, she's a director, she's a singer, writer, actress. But of course, we know this has come without its controversies and challenges. Everything does. I.e., she was a woman, or is a woman, in a time where it was all about the Hollywood Boys Club, where she essentially broke the glass ceiling of what women were capable of achieving in this industry. Long story short, when she made masterpieces like Gentle, the producers were like, "Oh wow, a woman can do this. A woman can produce an Oscar award-winning." But just like Gentle wasn't. Really nominated, or, or it was nominated, but she didn't win. Was she deserved to win? Do you think it was because she was a woman in this industry, and they just weren't ready for it? And is this something that you face on a daily basis? I think it's hard to say because I wasn't there. Yeah, and yeah, you know, I wasn't born yet, so I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> But I do just having studied film and working in the industry, and like we're still as women still struggling to get things we should we should have gotten by now. What kind of struggles have you had as a woman? Honestly,、and、honestly, myself, I think my one of my biggest struggles was I was trying to work as an assistant director, and I like that. I like being able to run the set, but I think as an assistant assistant director, you have to be sort of you know the person that runs the set and not always the nicest person there because you have to get things done. And I, I didn't like that, but also just being in my twenties and trying to work in some kind of position of power did not go over well with. So you had butts, basically、people. your butt heads with like the producers, and just because you had a certain opinion. And you grow up with like you coming up as a production assistant and, and working on certain things, develop this fear of like if I do something wrong or if I piss off the wrong person, I'm going to get blacklisted and I'm never going to work again. And I think we have to totally, as artists, be very like get comfortable with not having everybody like you. For those who don't understand what blacklisting is, what is it in your words?、Um, to me, what I understand blacklisting is, is、uh, you know, when you get on somebody's list. I think we. We all have one of people we work with that you're like, I really don't want to work with that person again. But there are reasons. There are reasons, like you know, maybe that person didn't do their job right, or maybe they there was some kind of safety issue, or whatever it is. But it shouldn't be because you're a woman that stood up for yourself. And see, that's what breaks my heart. A lot of blacklisting that's happened in Hollywood or in other. Positions of work, whether you do film or not, is that it can be very unfair, very ego based, and incredibly. Biased, yeah. And you're right. If you're a woman or anyone that stands up for herself, all of a sudden you're a problem. Now, I don't like bringing up you know controversies, but we have to talk real on this podcast.、Uh, Monique,、mm-hmm. she did Precious. She won an Oscar for it. And Taraji P Henson, just recently, as she did The Color Purple, she literally stood up to Oprah Winfrey. I love Oprah; she's wonderful. But she stood up to her and said, "You know what? We're not being paid what we deserve. We're being paid a fraction of the cost." And I have been doing this for about twenty years. Like you, you have an extensive resume of amazing works. But because you are a woman, I feel like sometimes, or anything, it could be your race, anything. They can categorize you and lowball you for what you're actually worth. Yes, absolutely. And that that isn't only it's not just about the money,、mm-hmm. but it also is the principle, right? Right. You can't break the spirits of people. Right. Basically, wrong is wrong. Right. And unfortunately, this industry is plagued、mm-hmm. with stuff like that. Yes. And that's the reason why people don't want to come out. That's how you know with the whole controversy with Bill Cosby. We know. We all know. We don't have to go through it. But longs for people who don't know Bill Cosby, famous African American actor who、uh, was plagued with controversy. Basically, there are women who came out against this name, saying that they sexually abused by him and things of that nature. Now we don't know 100% year and age, and we're not going to say what our opinion was. But make sure if you have a problem with someone in the industry, do not let it be because of gender. Because of race or anything that's discriminatory. Now, if it's a moral issue, I understand. Absolutely. Also, blacklisting is really tough because what about second chances? Yeah. Have you had issues with that where you've, I guess you could say, pissed off the wrong person and they didn't, they didn't give you a second chance when you feel like you deserved it? Ah,、uh, I'm sure I've probably. I'm sure I have, and <laughs> I'm sure I have. And then I started thinking of it in a way of, well, what about they? They pissed me off. How? 
they pissed me off. They didn't treat me right. And I pissed myself off by not standing up for myself to stay somewhere or that I st- that I stood up for myself and they didn't like it. And I had to get comfortable with if that's... If Was there that's, a certain instance that you can you can think that you can share with us? <laughs> so many NDAs, so many things we can't share. But yeah, there was... When I was in my 20s, I went to work on a film in Mexico and it was being produced by a, an independent studio in LA. And I went out, first time director. And the entire crew was Mexican. I'm Mexican. So I thought it's going to be fine. That's right. Right? Wrong. So wrong. I was the, I was my first time being a first AD. So not AD, only- AD, assistant director. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yes. Being a first assistant no, director. Okay. I forget. It's for the people who don't know, you know. <laughs> I forget. And I went out to do this film. I, I had to have been like 24. And I know that sounds like a long time ago. And it, it, it wasn't that long ago. But- <laughs> Okay. I know I may make it sound like it was a long time ago, but it was very uncomfortable. That whole project was very uncomfortable for me. Not only was I working long hours, but I actually had the experience where we were sitting and we were running behind constantly. I didn't have a second assistant director, despite having asked for one. So I was doing both. I was doing all of it. And... I, despite asking and getting stuff and the director didn't know what he wanted to shoot. So I wasn't getting shot lists or anything that I had learned that I needed. Mm. And in previous projects and film school and whatever. And I was like, wait a minute, some stuff is not lining up. But So you weren't being supported, basically. I, no, I felt very completely unsupported. And for me, it was the the fact that the the guy that was the DIT felt that in a production meeting, he could say, and the DIT is like the digital imaging tech, yeah. right? That felt like in the middle of a production meeting, he could say that the problem we were having was because there was a woman trying to do a man's job. <sighs> Oh, oh, he literally told you that a woman trying to do a man's job. I'll never forget that. Like that was just. He told you that to your face. Mm -hmm. I was sitting in a production meeting telling them, you know, you guys want to move things smoothly and move along. You know, we need certain things. We need at least an assistant director, a second assistant director that can write your call sheets and get stuff out in time while running the set. What, what, What else do you want? And. More production assistants, but it was an independent and they had no budget. So they were like, you get what you get. But also I felt like that was not okay. that he felt completely okay and empowered to say that. And that not one person in the room said how horrible that was to say. And this was just not too long ago. We're not talking about the 1950s. People think, no, No, I mean, Sophie is is young and beautiful. Yeah. So this is something that's recent. Yeah. Do you know what's the really interesting part with that is that sometimes people don't say it to your face, but they say it behind your back. Mm -hmm. And you know how they say it behind your back? Mm -hmm. Don't hire this person next time. Absolutely. And they're smiling in your face. Absolutely. They gave you the job Mm -hmm. and you think you're doing a wonderful job. And you're wondering, why am I not being called back? Why can I cast at this certain place? Why am I being asked to be an assistant director? I did a wonderful job. I did more than my job. I wasn't being supported. Right. But then it also goes back to, you know what? I'm not. They're not calling me because I did a horrible job because I couldn't do my job. And you railroad yourself into like, well, I was I just wasn't good enough. I just didn't know what I was doing or. And there was a lot of factors that you can say, you know what? Sometimes you do an amazing job and sometimes you don't. And it's not 100 percent your fault. Like You can look at yourself and say, you know what? I could have had more experience or I could have done this and I could have done that. But they could have also you provided tools like provided you with tools to succeed, not set you up for failure. So basically, there has to be accountability on both sides. Absolutely. The people who you're hired Mm -hmm. and the people you're hiring. Absolutely. You hear that film world? So whether you're a director, actor, you are all working together as one family and it has to be a family. So if there's disrespect in any area, guys, whether you see it or not, cut it off. Literally cut it off at the, the stake, please. Because we can't allow things like this to continue to happen because then someone like Sophie, right, if she weren't strong enough to handle that, she could quit. And you're like, what I happened did. to my hopes and my... You did? What I happened? I did quit for a while. I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with this. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. But it, it's part of who I am. So getting out of the industry is very like, you know, it becomes part of you. Like for us, this is not a job, right? It's not just a job. It's, it's who part you of are. our identity. It's part of who we are. We're not just, you know, I don't just go to work as an actor. I, I am an actor, right? I don't just go to work as a producer. I am a producer. Mm. Or I don't I don't just go 
to work as a singer, I am a singer. So it's not like I just, it's not like you go to work to go to work at Burger King, right? And you're like, I'm going to go work at Burger King, See, right? now I have That's to ask you. I got to that... ask you something. Mm-hmm. I know that you're a big Nothing fan. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you're a big fan of Turner classic movies, right? Or, you know, classic movies. I'm, I'm a big fan of classic movies, yeah. In general, right? <laughs> yeah. How do you think that women have been depicted in movies from the 50s, you know, back in the day to now. I know one of your favorite movies is uh, Philadelphia Story, right? Yes. Gone with the Wind, things of that nature. Mm-hmm. How were they portrayed there? And were there any like sexism that you could see that was blatant mm-hmm. versus how women are portrayed now? I think I, lo- I saw a lot of classic movies in, in film school, especially. And you're looking at it from a, a cinematography perspective or, you know, the look, or the feel, whatever. How do I make something like that? How do I make something look like that? And you don't think... Think of that part of the story, mm. right? And when you do, or you start watching things like I've, my mom likes watching old classic stuff all the time, which is how I learned to watch old classic, classic stuff. Movies, and I don't yeah. mean to say you can learn a lot. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I don't mean to call anybody old, but but like 1930s, 1940s, things like that, and even just sitting down with her to watch shows from the 50s that she that that she likes to watch. I'm watching something and I'll tell her, wow, that's like incredibly sexist, but OK. Like and, and I think she was watching something like Father Knows Best mm-hmm. or something like that. And there was there whatever episode was on, they were saying something about the 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 daughter and like getting married because she was getting out of high school or something. And, and, and they said something else. And I can't remember specifically that something else. But I was like, that's kind of that's just kind of sexist. And my mom's like, no, it's just the way things were. And then she called me two days later and she was like, "Okay, I've been watching a few episodes and it is pretty Texas. Now I can't unsee it. And I think that's and that's the thing. Like we all need to just have that wake up moment of this is not okay, or the the way certain things work in this industry is not okay. And we need to instead of leave and go, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Be be the change. Try to make that change. And with that, we have more with Miss Sophie London. And you know what the next segment is going to be about? I bet you can't guess. All the beautiful works that you've either produced, directed, oh, no. or been a part of. <laughs> yeah, you told me about the burn notice yesterday. Remember that? <laughs> oh, she no. saw things was... blowing up right in front of her face. If you I've want seen to... a lot of things blow up, and there's there's been a lot of blood. And if you want to hear more about all the blood and bloodshed that uh, Miss Sophie London has been a witness of, please stay tuned to our segment (laughs) (laughs) and if always if you've enjoyed or just want to express anything you feel about this podcast remember to subscribe to cinema pathway podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms and visit please visit our online store at paradoxicalfilms.com slash store to get all of the cinema pathway gear and please follow us again on cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for all the behind the scenes photos and more i'll see you we would like to take a moment to thank our partners who help make this podcast possible cine video tech has been providing film equipment training and services to the film industry both inside and outside the U.S. since 1968. M2 Films, which provides directing, writing, and assistant director services, and ComTV offers consulting and production services for a wide range of entertainment, marketing, advertising, and commercial projects. Welcome back, film family, with the lovely Miss Sophie London. And contrary to popular belief on this podcast episode, there is joy in this industry. There is. Aside from controversies and disbeliefs and all that, now we're to talk about something a little more happy. There is. Are you ready to be happy, yes. Miss Sophie London? Yes. Yes. Now, our first game is called Guess and Answer Those Lyrics. Are you ready for oh, gosh. this? Okay. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> now, there are some people who are us. Uh, schizophrenic singers I am where sometimes you're in the middle of a sentence and you just start singing out of nowhere I love Miss Sophie London nice I've never yes. done that you've never done that oh yes oh, by the look on your face this is you're ready for this never are you ready we choose three of the most popular musicals out there at least that we've seen Frozen right okay Dream Girls. And if you're ready, I can do the color purple. Are yes. you ready? Are you I want to hear that. All right. Now, first song, 
Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, let it go. What's the? Oh, jeez. <laughs> one more time, round two. I've heard this song before. For two hundred points, one more time. Chicka 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 chick. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go, get it go, Sophie. The perfect girl is gone. Yeah. Amen. Here we go. <laughs> Number two. All right. Dream Girls. This is this is my Jennifer Hudson impression. I don't sing anywhere near like her. I mean, but neither this is do my, I. This but... is my impression. <laughs> and I am telling you, I'm not going. You're the best man I ever knew. There's no way I can ever go. Yay. 300 points for Sophie. Sophie. I know this is a little trickier one, one, but if you get this one, you win everything. Oh. Are you ready? Are you what do I win? win? What do I win? Like a cookie or something? Would you that win be great? a date with me. Oh, great. You ready? And I believe I have inside of me everything I need to have a... Meh. Nope, <laughs> don't remember it. Bountiful life. I know, I, it, it's it's on my to-do list, but I haven't seen it yet. How would you rewrite that? I just want you to rewrite that song now, right? Sing it again, sing it All again. All right. I believe I have inside of me everything I need to have a great day. <laughs> Why <go>. not? <laughs> and we have our first contestant <laughs> of Guess and Ask for Those Lyrics. Round of applause, round of applause, round of applause. Now we have to get down to business. Oh, okay. Because this is a serious podcast, okay? I know we're having gotcha. fun, but we have to be serious now. <laughs> All right. In Iron Man 3. You were the production assistant. Basically, you saw all the effects before the CGI. And you saw before you saw the effects on screen. Do you have any uh, interesting stories about that? You didn't get that? to see the effects until <laughs> they were on screen. Exactly. But yeah. Do you have any uh, interesting? We got to... I think you, had a, you, had, you were carrying around uh, the, the breastplate. There was. Okay. So I don't even know if I can talk about this. Yeah. Yes. But that I, I do have to say that was one of my best experiences in working in this industry. It was I had so much fun on that set and everything everybody was so nice and respectful and everybody was there to make a movie and have fun and they think that's what this industry is about and i love that and i would a thousand percent love to go work for marvel again yes again 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 <laughs> See, now that, now that i have a lot like now that i have more experience yeah. and doing a lot of different things in the industry but i i i was blessed to be able to go and just i was the visual effects assistant for for a little while on that film and that was just such a fun experience and it just so happened that one day I was holding just part of the suit because that was my job it was literally just holding part wait of wait the suit. Iron Man suit yes <gasps> the and Iron it, Man yes and it was and it just started pouring because because weather and <laughs> like pouring and it wasn't raining or spring it was pouring and my smart self was wearing a very white shirt so uh -oh. i had to i was like you know what and then i just i was like i'm just gonna hold this on my shirt wait a minute wait a minute so, until so, my shirt dries because i can't walk around so you wore iron man's breastplate I didn't wear it. as I a breastplate kind of holding it because it <laughs> i was just kind of holding it you know like i'm just gonna hold this oh for a while <laughs> Because it was raining, and if because you didn't, it was pouring. things would be exposed. It was pouring. I was. We were all soaking wet, Ooh. just completely soaked on Iron Man set. Yes. All right. Well, next question. We was, move, that was fine. We, we had to move on from that because you know we don't. We know we we love Marvel, and yes. we thank you for for using your breastplate because it saved Sophie's life. At least that really? day. Please that hire day. us Marvel for your next movie. Yes. Anyway, now you were the production manager of the reality series Family Karma. Yes. What is Family Karma about for those who don't know about oh it? Oh my gosh. Family Karma is like, I love Family Karma and I love my cast and they're amazing. And yeah. if you haven't seen it, definitely watch it. It's yeah. on Peacock and Bravo. and Right now. Uh, right now. Okay. All three seasons are available on Peacock and Marvel. And Marvel. Listen to me. I wish. Um, I wish, but they should put all of the cast on Miss Marvel because that would be Maybe Marvel be will have their fun. next movie based off of Family Karma. Um, Miss Marvel, they should put them all together. That's all I'm saying. But Family Karma is a reality show based on the the Indian. Which a lot of people don't know about. No, yeah. but it's a, it's a big thriving community and it's like for us on the crew, I think it was just like beautiful 
to be part of their culture and get to experience a lot of things. And I want to celebrate Diwali every year. What was one of the best things about the Indian community? Like, what are some of the best things? They're by far the best cast I've worked with on reality TV. They're nice. They're amazing. And every time, like, they didn't treat us like the crew that would just come in. And a lot of times that's just what happens because that's just the nature of the business. You're working behind the camera. You're doing all of the things behind the camera. So most of the time I'm in the office or jumping between different sets. So I, I don't even get to be on set that much sometimes, depending on the project. But what I loved about them is that they're... They treat you like family, like the crew. If we would go film at their house, there was usually food or something. And now this is a really interesting debate, right? Because we all know about reality TV shows, right? The same way that they could be translated to film. And sometimes films can be based off of these reality TV shows. Now, the reason why I ask that is because there's a, a really big misconception that reality TV is reality TV. Mm-hmm. Now, most of us know that uh, there isn't much reality in reality TV. But as a production manager on the show, how much was if you're allowed to to speak on it? If you're not, probably it's fine. not. But okay, okay. So let's just say not this show. In shows this, you've seen but, in the future, but I, 100%, how much is, is scripted I can speak and how much show? is real? And no, this show is real. They're they're all real. Yeah, from like top to bottom. But other reality TV shows have you seen? How much of it do you think is scripted versus real? Because if you think about it, it's like a film set. They're learning their lines. They have situations. Yeah, there's like situations and stuff that yeah. you have to touch on, right? Because, you know, you can't film 24-7. Mm. It's, I mean, you can. But, you know, there's, I, I don't think, I don't think I've worked on a reality show where we just straight up had a script. No. Okay, so you we're, have de- like we're debunking story, like that you have, there. You have stories that come up that you then are like, we need to follow up on the story, right? But in that way, if you want to call it scripted, sure. But really, it's more like we had this story. We need to follow through on the story. Or it's sort of you, you have to get to know the people that are on the show so that you know the stories and what the show is going to be about. And who are essentially your actors. Right, right. Okay. But but they're all real people. They all have real jobs. They they work. And how has this helped your, your work in the film world? I just, I, I, I people watch a lot. I mean, people watch all the time. So that if I, if I can ever get myself to sit down and write the like 80 scripts that are going around in my head and I can actually sit and write them, I start kind of forming, forming characters from different, just different pockets of people. You know, it's very interesting because I mean, we all people watch in our daily basis. So don't don't think, oh my God, Sophie's a weirdo. No, she's not. We all don't people watch like that. No, no. But we're saying ultimate. No, of course not. We ultimately people watch when people we're watch. we could be waiting for I don't know transportation. We could be waiting at the job. You're watching your friend talking to someone else. You're people watching ultimately. But my point is. Use that as a positive when you're writing your scripts for the future, yeah. because you're getting you're getting the story right in front of you. Right. People always try to reinvent a wheel when they make a work or a film, like what's the newest and latest and and the best idea I can think of. Life, mm-hmm. life is your best script, and that's right. why every person's individual story can't be stifled. No, because everybody's everybody's got a story and a reason for being here and, and a reason for doing what they're doing. No one's story is invalid. Validate everybody's point of view. Now, you may not agree. That's a different story. Right. But trying to understand somebody else's point of view is a story in itself. Or demonizing someone because their point of view does not match yours. Right. Because, you know, this this country, we know about all the pro- the racial stuff. And, okay, it's, it's all valid in its own mm-hmm. way. But the problem is it's starting to creep in, into the film world now where certain things are not allowed to be talked about anymore. And I think we are stifling our own freedom of speech that way. Thank you. You're not going to like what pe- some people have to say. You're not going to like, you know, what they drink, what they wear, who they vote for, what they watch, but everybody's got a story. But give them a chance. Mm -hmm. That's the whole point. And I think as a filmmaker or a storyteller, you should look at all of those things and not let your own mentality or thoughts get in the way of seeing Mm. the story. Now, I know you're a producer Mm -hmm. on I Am Frankie season three. Season two. Season mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Now, that's one of the story producers. Yeah. What is it like? I mean, obviously being a woman producer, which is wonderful. Congratulations on that. You know, but I know that working with children can be very challenging because there's so many things you have to watch out for. Meaning you can't speak to a child the way you speak to an adult. There's a very fine lines. This is where we introduce NDAs, right? Well, we have NDAs for everything in this business. What's your opinion on an NDA? I think, Can you explain what that is for our audience? So an NDA is a non-disclosure agreement. Gotcha. And it's it's an agreement that basically 
details what you can and cannot say about the project that you're working on that I think there are things those are things we need in in this industry. There are things that you can and cannot talk about, right? I've been on projects that I don't talk about to anybody, not yeah. even my close friends. And, you know, usually my family knows what we're working on, but I can't, I don't ever give them any details as to because? what's going on until it's out. And with social media, you never know. You just very accidentally go, oh, I'm on set today. Hmm. And oops. And so there's things that you can and can't post. And a lot of people ask me, oh, how come you don't have a picture with this person or this person or this person? I'm not allowed to take pictures. I don't even ask. Wow. I know I'm not allowed to take pictures, so I don't ask. Now, see, it's interesting NDAs in the film world. Mm -hmm. The reason why I ask is because I think people can take advantage of anything. Sure. NDAs being one of them, meaning that you can be mistreated on set. You can be labeled on set. But because they have you on the NDA, they have you on the dotted line. You can't say anything that happened to you, that happened for you, and you can't advocate for yourself. So NDAs are very, very important. This is for all people That's why who. It's important to read all of the stuff that you're signing. Please elaborate that. Why you is that you, important? You guys, you guys gave me stuff to sign, and I sat here and I read it, right? And I didn't uh-huh. sign it until I read the whole thing. Uh huh. My mom was so proud of me. I was going straight into pre-law out of high school, and then I was like, I think I'm gonna do theater. Uh huh. So I did get to study a fair amount of law mm. and. Especially contract law, especially as a producer, I think it's only to your benefit to know those things, to know what not only what you're putting into it, but what you're signing. And I think all producers should know that. Contracts and NDAs. An NDA is a contract for anybody that doesn't know. And with that, please stay tuned with Miss Sophie London as we hear all of her future projects. All the future things that she would like to promote. Ah, this is your moment, Miss Sophie. I'm going to shamelessly plug, plug myself. yourself. You see, you see, it? you like the connection? Did you like yep. that? Is that good? I like the segue. You, you like the bridge? Mm-hmm. I'm good with bridges. Yeah. What do you think? Because you're, because you're a singer. Yes, that's right. I like the bridge notes, and bridge things. I'm also a little crazy, but anyway, no, not yet. Okay, okay good night. We have segment number four. Well, I know, but it was so like. <laughs> good night. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, and we hope that you do, we hope, right? Support us by subscribing to your favorite podcast platform and giving us a rating. Then head to our online store at www.paradoxicalfilms.com slash shop. Again, that's www.paradoxicalfilms.com slash shop, where you can purchase Cinema Pathway gear, including t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, and more. Also, don't forget, follow us on Instagram at cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast again that's cinema underscore pathway underscore podcast for all the behind the scenes photos and more welcome back film family the discussion has been hot 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 even behind the scenes guys seriously you have no idea we're talking behind the scenes but we'll let you know on the cinema pathway website but anyway i want to get this out of the way something people don't like talking about it but we have to talk about it politics in film now i know you're a really big star wars buff I am. Okay. Well, I don't know that I would call myself a really big Star Wars buff, but you're a medium size. You're a medium size Star Wars buff. You're not. You're not the super sized meal, but you're the. I you had. Know. I had lightsabers at my wedding. I should tell you. Oh wow. <laughs> Oh, so, so this is like a super fan. You know how you know how like military weddings they they'll do the swords. Yeah, yeah I did that with but with lightsabers. Oh wow! Mm-hmm. At your wedding. Yes. Oh, and you're a super sized fan. I'm sorry. Force my I, and we walked into we walked into Star Wars fanfare. Okay, so <laughs> this is a true Star Wars buff. But who else to I'm ask about <laughs> about politics in film? What do you think evidence. about it? What do you think about it? Politics in film. Yes, I think it's important. Why? Because it's it's part of our daily life. Okay. You know, politics. It's what runs this country, unfortunately, in most countries. And I think it's it's those are the historical films that I really like. I like I also really love American history. So. Okay. No, that's valid. But what about the politics in Star Wars? What exactly was political about that film? A lot of it. Such as? Most of it. Most of it was political. Just the mirroring of what was happening at the time the movies were being made. So you're saying was- <clears throat> you're saying that uh films sometimes can broadcast the future policies and laws that could be put into government, but they like to hide it in film because it's entertainment. I think a lot of things are hidden in film mm. that are truth. 
So sometimes not, they like to feed agendas mm-hmm. or feed uh, political. I don't know about feeding, but okay. I don't know about feeding, but I think as a filmmaker, you can definitely highlight certain things and bring bring things to light that other people didn't know that were worth happening, especially especially a generation that's a lot younger than when that stuff happened. So and we were talking about history repeating itself itself because mm-hmm. we don't learn from it in the first place. I think as a filmmaker, you can definitely make films that shape or matter and shape people's thoughts process on policies or whatever if some of the leaders of star wars if you think they could choose a political side you think it was a democratic society that they depicted on film or republican one or was it like a totalitarian one like a dictatorship i think it depends on which movie you watch right yeah (laughs) it really i think it depends on which movie you're watching oh so you're saying they've changed throughout the years i think what they depict especially if you start if you're watching it in chronological order and you're watching it from episode one they definitely depict this like very democratic functioning system Mm -hmm. and how easily you can lose it like if you just watch it from one like now right yep like yep (laughs) how did it change and and i see it i'm like am i watching star wars or i'm watching politics and cnn (laughs) oh so a lot of people like to say for example not even watch the news anymore but that films no they don't depict anything it's just entertainment we're just watching things no no what you put through your eyeballs especially through film, can impact your decision-making, can impact the way you vote, can impact the way you eat, can impact who you hire. Absolutely. There are so many indoctrinating things in film that people don't even realize. And that's the genius and the cleverness of film. You can positively put a society forward or you can bring them back 100 years. Or you could try to open their eyes to things and some people get it, some people won't. But Now, being a Mexican-American, I have to talk about Celia. Lina Quintanilla, we, well, for those who know who she is, she was a famous Latina singer. And some people say model, maybe a little bit of actress here and there, but because she was famously depicted by Miss Jennifer Lopez. Do you think that film can impact a culture? Because I'll be honest with you, I love Selena, but I didn't even know who Selena was until I watched a film. So how does film in your eyes or how can it impact an entire generation or culture of people? I think people love watching films and they get like you take a lot of artistic liberty as a filmmaker and that's your right. But people tend to take a lot of things that are said in film as fact. Mm. So people watch films and especially historical films like Selena, like something about Watergate. I was definitely into something about Watergate the other day. Because, you know, there's a lot of inaccuracies in that <laughs> mm-hmm. in that movie about Selena. Sure. Literally, you could YouTube inaccuracies about the movie, but people will only remember Selena about what they saw from the movie. Right. But you take artistic license. But again, we were talking about generations that watch things later on. Yes. That we weren't alive for. That's sort of where you're getting your information from. Mm. And like you were saying, we pick up a lot of things from what we watch. We end Consciously up or subconsciously? Either, both, both, but especially subconsciously. And you pick up a lot of things from whatever you're watching, whether it's TikTok or YouTube or anything. It's all anything. film. It's, it's all, all film. It's all an art form in, in its own way. It is. But you also have to be very conscious of what you're watching and how you're watching it. Like, what's your mindset when you sit down to watch this? What you watch can literally dictate your lifestyle. Absolutely. You you and I can watch Star Wars and we'll we'll have two different experiences watching it. Like I picked up on all the politics stuff. You probably you might have picked I up on something picked else. I just picked up on Princess Leia with the buns. I was <laughs> like, man, she's so hot, man. I and probably the first time girlfriend. I saw it, I was like, <laughs> what's that hairy thing walking around? <laughs> but you know what's so funny? At least this is, I guess, is something personal. Mm-hmm. But I've I always thought that she was beautiful. Yeah. And I thought women like her were beautiful, and I tended to go toward that. Now you see how something so so simple as oh yeah, it was just a movie. No. Absolutely. Now this dictated how I dated. This mm-hmm. is taken how I viewed women, the kinds that I may like. Yep. Do you get what I'm saying? So yeah, this, it's amazing what film can do. We were talking about women in film and how things impact us. Well, as as girls, when we're watching women, either 
be okay with like being catcalled or sexually harassed or harassed or whatever. And we take that as okay, or we take certain behavior that other people have toward us as okay. And we learn it as okay. And it's not something that you necessarily picked up for your mother or your grandmother. You've picked it up by what you're watching because Thank you. you in a way become what you watch, what you eat. What now you see, say. this is a full circle moment, right? Mm-hmm. Because Selena Quintanilla was depicted as this almost like superwoman, woman, right? She was this amazing singer and she was an amazing girlfriend and she stood up for herself and she made her own career moves and she was the modern woman as we like to see her depicted today right versus back in the 50s how women were depicted now if selena was depicted as something else as this oh, soft-spoken and yes dad i love you and I maybe can be a singer. I maybe can be my own boss. People would have registered that, especially Latina women. And of course, more specifically, Mexican women as, oh, that's all I can do. But because she was depicted in such a beautiful light, the power of film, people were like, wow, you don't know how many people could have been impacted just by watching that. All right. This is the the moment of our segment that we like to call the hot seat. I just, I just had the light. Yes, no, it's because <laughs> I feel hot right now. Don't uh, you feel hot? Yeah, it's because it's light. hot discussion. This is the moment where Movie we lights get make to everything hot. Exactly, <laughs> that's the other thing. So, guys, if you ever want to, you know, look good, lighting, lighting. But as a whole, it's just thank, thank your lighting guy. <laughs> All film boasts lighting. Anyway, there is a hundred degree question. 150 and 200 degrees. Are you ready to be in the hot seat, young lady? Sure. Let's do it. You're speaking for all the Ah. women in Mexican. No, you're not. Just joking. I never speak for anybody but myself. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. All right. Question number one. Being a Mexican American, Selena has been played by so many amazing ladies. Jennifer Lopez and there's a brand new one called Maya Sabata. I don't know if everyone knows that, but she also did a wonderful job. Who would you choose to play her now? Mm. Yeah. That's an interesting question. That's an interesting question. That is an interesting question. Because there's so many dire fans about Selena. They're yeah. like, you chose the wrong person. You know who I'd choose? The girl that played Maria in Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. And I can't remember her name. You know what? I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I can kind of see it now that I'm thinking about it. Okay. I like that. You know what I think would be a wonderful Selena? Who? You know, I'm not going to say because this is Selena fans now. I don't want to be a blacklisted <laughs> number two. <laughs> Have you ever been told to your face to get off a set? Or that you weren't good enough to be here to your face? No, not to my face. <laughs> but behind your back, probably, right? Probably, mm-hmm. but, <laughs> and but no, th- not to my face. No. Okay. I try to approach all everything with blessed to be here. And whatever experience it is, good or bad, it's for a reason. I love that. Keep that. Question number three. This is your 200 degree question. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. This is a hot bell, pup, uh, one of those papanero. Yes. Do you know anybody who plays the victim in this acting world? Who's exaggerated? A lot of people do. A lot of people do. I don't think it's conscious. I think it's a learned behavior. Because I I think we learn it. So we overcorrect, right? Like, I think we tend to overcorrect something like this is a problem. Mm. Now we're going to overcorrect it. And then suddenly it's all about this and what this is and how I'm this. Miss Sophie London, how do you wish to be remembered? With kindness. (laughs) Whatever it is, whatever, whatever it is. I hope I just I make a difference and that I leave this world a little kinder. That I found it. That's beautiful. If you had to sum up all of your works thus far in one word, what would that be? One word. Blessed. It's beautiful. (laughs) Just because that's the first word that came up, but it's true. I have been blessed to work with extremely talented people, to have women to look up to that have said, it doesn't matter that I'm a woman. I'm here and I'm doing this job because I can do it. That's important because there's so many self-entitled people Mm -hmm. out there who don't appreciate what they have. The more you appreciate your blessings, I believe the more God will bless you. Now, but I've also been blessed to have men in the industry say, you know what, you can do it and not look at me just as just a woman. Now, Miss Sophie, how can we find you in this universe? What are they? Uh, what do they got to look up? Well, I know we were talking about it earlier. I am on the board of Cutler Bay Community Theater. OK, we are a community theater based out of Cutler Bay. And, you know, I have a love for theater. And my mom always thought that I was going to go to Broadway and not to film. But you know, life had other plans. But our mission is really to just provide a safe space for anybody that wants to act 
direct, hone their skills with no judgment and know anything. Just go be and do. We've been incredibly lucky to have amazing people in our organization. From there, we offer a free improv workshop every Monday night at Palmetto Bay Library. You know, it's like down south, but if you can make it, it's free. And we also put on shows. We have sketch shows. Is there a website that kind of culminates all this? Yeah, you can check us out at CutlerBayPlays.com. CutlerBayPlays.com. You can also find us on the Moss Center's website because we just did a play with them for their Halloween event. Hey, congratulations. And thank you. We were on the main stage. It was very, it was very exciting. But where can we find you? Do you have a website? I have. You can find me at my web. My website is londontownmedia.com. Londontownmedia.com. And that showcases everything Sophie London, everything she's doing. My Instagram handle is at Solo Cinema. At Solo Cinema. Yep. Okay. And as always, family, until the next time. To our listeners, thank you again for joining us in the Cinema Pathway podcast today. I'm your host, Michael Angel Malachi. Our producer and director is the lovely Juliette Asson. And our associate producer is Victor Hugo Pereira. The executive producer and editor is Freddie R. Rodriguez. This was a presentation by Paradoxical Films. And please visit our website at www.paradoxicalfilms.com. Again, that's www.paradoxicalfilms.com. For more information about today's podcast, and you can also email us if you like at cinemapathway at paradoxicalfilms.com. Again, that's cinemapathway at paradoxicalfilms.com, where you can send all comments, suggestions for all future episodes. Lights out! <laughs>